him which read, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. It was now about the sixth hour, and darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour, for the sun stopped shining, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. The centurion, seeing what had happened, praised God and said, Surely this was a righteous man. When all the people who had gathered to witness this sight saw what took place, they beat their breasts and went away. But all those who knew him, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching these things. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain. Lord, you're a God of such amazing grace. Lord, the the second criminal. Lord, he received grace. He received faith, the gift of faith. Lord, your eternal plan to redeem sinners is by grace. Lord, this Good Friday, Lord, we surely can't call it good because we're good. Lord, we call it Good Friday because you are good. Lord, you did not have to save a single, single person. Lord, we see the, the blasphemous thief cursing you. But we see the, the repentant thief calling out for mercy from you. And Lord, we see your grace extend the, the promise of the kingdom to him. Lord, we that have trusted in you and that are in this room and that have put our faith in you, it's the same grace that you gave that, that thief. Lord, you are worthy. You are worthy to receive blessing and honor and power and strength and dominion. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. You alone are holy. You alone are worthy. Lord, may it never be that we come into church and forget who we are and who you are. May we humble ourselves when we come into your presence. 
May we look to that stained cross of the blood of Jesus in our place. May we not forget. May we not forget the grace that was poured out on us through your son's blood. Amazing, amazing grace that saved a wretch like me. Amazing grace that saved a wretch like you. Lord, may this Good Friday, Lord, may it be that those that do not know you, or those that presume to know you, Lord, may they make it sure, may they, may they come to know the grace that you have extended to them. All by the work of Jesus, the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is Jesus, the Son, the King of Kings. He alone is worthy. Thank you, Jesus, that you went to the cross for a sinner like me. Thank you, Jesus, that we can come here tonight, as Saul said, as brothers and sisters, that we can unite only in the name of Jesus. Lord, there's power in that name. May we trust in you. May we be faithful to you. Lord, may we, may we be at rest. May we be at peace knowing that you went to the cross for us. Lord, we pray that the message that Mitch brings for us tonight would enlarge our hearts for you and that we would joy, take joy in the cross of Christ, that he paid it all for our behalf. We pray in his name. Amen. Said, Amen. If you brought your Bible tonight, turn with me to Luke chapter 23, that same passage that Christina just read. If you didn't bring a Bible, maybe you could pull it up on your phone, as long as you promise not to check Facebook during the sermon. We're going to look at Luke 23, but I want to read a couple of verses from 1 Peter and then 2 Peter. The Apostle Peter said, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who has called you out of the darkness into His marvelous light. So that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him. And then in 2 Peter, he wrote, seeing that God's divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and excellence. Peter uses that word in 1 Peter and 2 Peter. When he thinks of Jesus, he thinks of the excellencies of him. The one who called us by his own glory and and excellence. There was something about Jesus 
The Apostle John said it like this, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. Jesus Christ was something, someone to behold. Certainly, with physical eyes as Peter and John did, but with the eyes of faith as well as you and I have the words of Scripture where we can see Him and His excellencies and His glory. So I want to quickly work through these verses and show us three things about Jesus that are just absolutely wonderful. In a word, summed up in compassion, but we're going to look at His compassionate concern, His compassionate prayer, and His compassionate salvation. When they had led Jesus away, they seized a man, Simon of Cyrene, coming in from the country and placed on him the cross to carry behind Jesus. And following him was a large crowd of people and of women who were mourning and lamenting him. But Jesus, turning to them, said, Daughters of Jerusalem, stop weeping for me. Jesus can see beyond his suffering to his exaltation. He is at this point exhausted. It's been a long night. He has been before Annas and Caiaphas and Pilate and Herod and Pilate again. And he is a bloody mess. He has been beaten. A crown of thorns has been driven into his head. He has been scourged his back ripped to shreds, his beard has been plucked, and he has by this time carried his cross quite a ways. The anguish of soul is still surely heavy upon him as he is contemplating the wrath of God, which he is about to drink. It may be the simple point of verse 26 that Jesus was simply too exalted, exhausted and beaten down to finish the work of carrying his cross. But he knew what was coming for himself. He had predicted on a number of occasions that he was going to be rejected, suffer, die, but three days later rise again. And he would pray, Father, glorify me together with yourself with the glory which I had with you before the world was. So Jesus could see the suffering that was coming, but he could also see the glory that was soon to be his. And so he says, daughters of Jerusalem, stop weeping for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming when they will say, blessed are the barren, and the wombs which never bore, and the breasts that never nursed. Biblically, the blessing is upon women who, who bear children. And here Jesus is reversing that. The days are coming when they will say, Blessed are the barren, the wombs that never bore, the breasts that never nursed. Jesus could see for those who did not humbly turn in faith to Him, 
that judgment was coming upon the nation of Israel. Surely as the Romans would come decades later and crush Jerusalem. But only as a vision of what was to come ultimately. When the wrath of God would be poured out upon all who turned from Him. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, fall on us and to the hills, cover us. Jesus says, if men do these things when the tree is green, what will happen when it is dry? It's an interesting statement. It probably means, we think, that a tree, when it's green, it's healthy and it's, it's lively. And probably it represents Jesus, who is the Son of God. If they do these things when the tree is green, if they, if they take that which is alive and put it to death, what will happen when it is dry? What will happen to when it is dry? If Jesus is the green and healthy tree, the unbelieving nation is the dry tree. We see here the compassionate concern of Jesus. When he was going through that which was surely horrific, we probably would have been just like these daughters of Jerusalem, these women who were mourning and lamenting him. If you've ever seen any of the Jesus movies, And Jesus is carrying his cross and he's headed towards Calvary. And the women are gathered around and they are weeping for him. And when you and I think of what he went through, maybe in our minds we ponder what he had to experience and we feel sorry for him. Jesus says to you and to me and to any and all, don't weep for me. Weep for yourselves. And for your children. Jesus could see what is coming upon those who do not trust in him. The compassionate concern of Jesus. Two others also who were criminals were being led away to be put to death with him. When they came to the place called the skull, There they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right and the other on the left. But Jesus was saying, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. They cast lots, dividing up his garments among themselves, and the people stood by looking on, and the rulers were sneering at him, lifting their noses. Haughty, arrogant. The rulers were sneering at him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if this is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up to him, offering him sour wine, and saying, If you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription above him, This is the king of the Jews. This bloody mess upon this cross. 
The rulers sneered at him. The soldiers mocked him. The sign did the same. One of the criminals who were, was hanged there was hurling abuse at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. I don't know if you noticed it, but he saved others. Let him save himself. If you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. The irony of the story is he wasn't the one in need of saving. They were. And while he hung on the cross, he was in the process of saving a people called by His name. If we look closely, maybe it can be a warning to any in the room who think too little of Jesus. Are you like any of these rulers or soldiers or this criminal? If Jesus is as great as you say that he is, then why did he let this happen to him? I mean, why didn't he call down angels from heaven to deliver him as another gospel tells us he said he could do? Why didn't he tell, uh, tell his disciples to fight? Why didn't he, if he is who you say that he is, save himself? If you ask questions like that as they did, you show just as they that you don't get it. He was not the one in need of saving. You and I were. And by enduring the cross and despising its shame, he was saving a people for himself. Well, in contrast to them, the sneering, the mocking, the abuse, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. He intercedes for his enemies. He had told his disciples, but I say to you who hear, love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. The Apostle Peter reflecting upon these events said it like this, for you have been called for this purpose since Christ also suffered for you leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps, who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth, and while being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness, for by his wounds you were healed. 
For you were continually straying like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. We see the compassionate concern of Jesus in the midst of his horrific suffering. He says, don't weep for me. I'm concerned about you. And while the rulers and while the soldiers and while the sign and while the criminal are sneering and mocking and abusing him, here is a compassionate prayer. Here's someone who's saying, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they're doing. And then finally, a compassionate salvation. One of the criminals who were hanged there was hurling abuse at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other answered and rebuking him said, Do you not even fear God? Since you are under the same sentence of condemnation, we indeed are suffering justly, for we are receiving what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he was saying, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Some have called this man the greatest theologian in the Bible. For in these couple of sentences, we see his, you'll forgive me, his theology proper, which is doctrine about God. He says to his buddy, do you not fear God? This criminal came to a place He knew that God was there and he knew that the beginning of wisdom is the fear of God. Do you not fear God? His hermardiology, his doctrine of sin. Do you not fear God? Since we're under the same sentence of condemnation, we indeed are suffering justly for we're receiving what we deserve for our deeds. He understood that he had sinned and he understood that he deserved condemnation for it. His Christology, his doctrine of Christ, this man has done nothing wrong. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He understands that Jesus Christ is innocent, he's holy. He understands that Jesus is the Savior. That's why he looks to him. Jesus, remember me. And he understands that Jesus is the King. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. His soteriology or his doctrine of salvation, the criminal looks away from himself to Jesus. He understands that he is guilty. And under condemnation, and if he has any chance at all, it's not found in himself. Jesus, remember me. He puts his hope and his trust in Jesus. And finally, his eschatology, his doctrine of the future. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. 
He understands that a day is coming when Jesus Christ will establish his kingdom and reign forevermore. And to this humbled man, Jesus said, truly I say to you, today you shall be with me in paradise. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom today. Today you shall be with me in paradise. You don't have to wait, my man. By trusting in me and looking to me, today you will be in the very presence of God. A compassionate concern, a compassionate prayer, a compassionate salvation. Maybe you're here tonight and you need someone who is concerned for you. That's Jesus. Jesus is not a here I am kind of man. His glory, what is so one of the things that is so excellent about him is that he is a there you are kind of man. And if you are his child, he knows you. And he knows what you're going through. He's concerned about you. Maybe you need someone to pray for you. And it would be wonderful if you could find a friend who would pray for you, but I'm telling you, if you belong to him, Jesus Christ ever lives to make intercession for you. He died upon that cross, but three days later he rose from the dead, and then he ascended back into heaven, where he is right now, at his Father's right hand. And the scripture tells us, interceding for us. Praying for us. And maybe you need someone to save you. Maybe tonight, for the very first time, the weight has come down upon you. Where you realize, just like this thief on the cross, I'm a sinner. And if the justice of God comes down upon me, it will be right. I need a Savior. Friend, all you need do is turn to Him in humble faith. Remember me. And the promise is today you will be with me in paradise. Now you've got to admit when you read the story that it's not that this get out of jail free kind of prayer. It's not a, I may as well pray this prayer just in case kind of prayer. You, you read the story and you feel the weight of it. That this man means business. I'm a sinner. This man has done nothing wrong. Indeed, he's holy and he's the Savior and he's the King. 
Jesus, remember me. To the one who humbly turns to him to be the forgiver of their sins and the leader of their life, Jesus says, today. So maybe right now, maybe tonight, you would turn to him and find a savior of your soul. The excellencies of Christ. When diving into the crucible of what was his suffering and death. He's concerned about others. He's praying for others. He's extending his grace to others. What a man. What a savior. Let's pray. Indeed, Lord Jesus, you are glorious and you are excellent. And tonight we remember your suffering and your death upon the cross for us. It was now about the sixth hour and darkness fell over the whole land until the ninth hour because the sun was obscured and the veil of the temple was torn in two. And Jesus, crying out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. We remember that you gave your life, your body, your blood for us. And Lord, we, we stand tonight amazed at your excellencies even in the midst of the horror of it all, your compassion, your kindness, your selflessness. You are wonderful. Lord, for any of our friends here tonight who, who do not know you, might you, by the mighty power of your Holy Spirit, work in their hearts right now to see the glory of God, to see their sin, to see the wonder of Jesus Christ, the Savior, who died for them, who rose for them, who by His grace grants forgiveness and eternal life to all who humbly believe. And we will pray this in Jesus' name and for His glory. Amen. Tonight, we want to celebrate the, excuse me, the Lord's Supper, do it a little bit different. We usually pass it out, but we're going to ask if you'd like to partake, to come. We have three tables up here and three or four in the back, so there's plenty. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you have trusted in Him as the forgiver of your sins, the leader of your life, um, you are more than welcome to take this with us. This is for those who have trusted in him. We take the bread to remember his body that was given. We take the cup to remember his blood that was shed. If you're not a follower of Jesus, 
we would ask you not to partake, but just to think about everything that you've heard tonight through the songs that have been sung, the scriptures that have been prayed, the readings, the sermon. And maybe you would simply pray and ask God if these things be so. So the band is going to play, and as they do, whenever you're ready, uh, you can stand and make your way to one of these places, maybe step off to the side or go back to your chair and, and, and take the bread and the cup anytime that you would like, and then when the band is done, I'll come back up, say a few more words, and we'll be done tonight. All right, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. If you were here tonight, you need someone to talk to about that. Please come and grab me or maybe another friend that you have here tonight. Don't leave here tonight. If God is working in your heart. Tonight is Good Friday. We remember the death of Jesus Christ. Sunday's coming. Resurrection Day. When we remember him who rose from the dead. Our Savior is not dead. He is alive forevermore. And uh, we hope that you'll come back this Sunday. Bring some friends with you if you can, and we'll worship him some more. We'll look to his word. should be a blessing to you. May God bless you tonight. Give you a wonderful weekend. You are dismissed.